The year is 2006. Desperate Housewives is one of the number one shows on television. The Dixie Chicks are back after their Bush scandal a few years earlier, while preteens and kids everywhere are meeting Hannah Montana for the first time. But it was also the year that pop icon Christina Aguilera emerged with a new look, a new sound, and an amazing new album, Back to Basics. Pulling inspiration from music from the 20s, 30s, 40s, and 50s, and mixing it with the sound of contemporary pop and R&B, Christina delivered an album that was true to her, and in result delivered a body of work that stood the test of time. From the roaring sound of Ain't No Other Man to the swinging dance of Candyman, this era saw the birth of some of her biggest hits. So let's take a trip back in the day to 2006 with Christina Aguilera as she brings us Back to Basics. Hey everybody, my name is Michael Kadosh and I'm here to welcome you all to Planet 2000s, a place where we celebrate pop music's most iconic moments from the most iconic decade in pop music history. Let's dive in. Hey, you guys, and welcome to a brand new episode of Planet 2000s. This is Michael Kadosh here. And today, I'm so excited because we are going to be talking about one of my all-time favorite singers, Miss Christina Aguilera. And we're going to be talking about the Back to Basics album, which is my second favorite album by Christina. My favorite will always be Strip, but, you know, we're going to save that episode for in a little while because that one's very special. But today, we're going to be talking about Back to Basics, and it is one of Christina's more legendary albums, so it's going to be exciting. So Back to Basics was released in August of 2006, August 15, 2006 in the USA, August 9, 2006 worldwide by RCA Records, and it was Christina's fifth album. It was her third album in the sense of traditional singles and videos, but her fifth album overall because she released a Spanish album and a Christmas album early in her career. So if we count those, it is her fifth, but if we don't count those, it is her third. It was a very big moment in Christina's career because, you know, she had already had a lot of success with Stripped and with her first record, and this is kind of the album that was going to set the tone of her being a legend or not. A lot of artists for example, Paula Abdul or somebody of that nature who's pop, doesn't always have the longevity to have more than one or two hit albums. So the fact that Christina was able to do that with her third record says a lot about her and her fans, but mostly about her artistry because frankly, Christina is an artist. All of the work that she's ever produced has been completely 100% original, thought out. She writes all her music. She worked with Linda Perry, DJ Premier, Rich Harrison, Mark Ronson, and more on the record. The idea was that the sound of the record was going to be inspired by 1920s to 50s. Think Ella Fitzgerald, Etta James, Billie Holiday, Otis Redding, Aretha Franklin. She got the idea to do this type of music during her strip tour, which she had just completed about two to three years before the release of this record. In Billboard magazine, she had an interview and she stated that the new technology has advanced itself so anybody can be a singer. And she wanted to make music that really had heart and that was meant to pay homage and the utmost respect to her favorite singers and the people who came before her. She wanted to make real music. And she wanted a throwback sound with a modern twist. And the album turned out to be a double disc effort. And the first disc essentially was mixing old with the new. So you had the old school vibe of the 20s, 30s, and 40s, but mix in with some hip-hop, pop, and urban elements to make it a little bit more modern. While the second disc was a little bit more theatrical, cabaret, circus, so really stuck in that time. Christina actually talks about going into the studio and wanting to recreate that vibe while she was recording her music for this record. Um, you know, I always try to incorporate a lot of, you know, personal heart and soul into into my, my lyrics and my albums. That's why I kind of want to take four years or so, whatever it was, you know, some time in between records so that I come back with something new and meaningful to say so I can live life for a second to talk about it. And so many amazing things have, have happened to me in, in, uh, in the last year and a half. You know, I got married last year and just it's, it's a good time for me. I'm, I'm happier than I've, than I've ever been. I'm more at peace than I've ever been in much more than I was with even the last record. But I had to get... 
I had to experience that place and, and that that what I did with the last record to be able to even get here. And who knows what the next one will even be um, four or three years from now, you know. Um, but uh, I try to always come up with something new and different. And this place that I've gone with this record is kind of uh, in, in the past. I've, I'm very inspired by the 1920s, 30s, and 40s. And so I wanted to make a record that kind of had all those throwback good elements um, of old soul, blues, and jazz music, but combining it with kind of a modern-day twist in some of the songs and in other ones, like with Linda Perry, you know, co-writer, beautiful, we were able to really go there and uh, and go there authentically and organically. No cover songs, no no samples or anything. We just really went there to recreate the old... While Christina was making this record, she essentially wanted to take time in between each album. So she took a few years in between Stripped and Back to Basics because she really, you know, like I said, she's an artist and she really wants to get to the core of her feelings and she wants to create music that's going to last forever. And it's not disposable. It's not like a pop dart that you can just pop out, which I think is actually one of her sayings that I heard her say one time. You know, she really takes the time into her work. And so she took a few years into the making of this record, just researching everything about that era, everything about the looks, everything about the sounds, and also adding the elements of her personal life. You know, having just gotten married, she was in love and she was a newlywed and she wanted to write about that and she wanted to talk about that um, but yeah he had a lot of um, influence on a lot of the things I had to talk about I mean my god you know he, he's been a big part of, of my life you know and, and will be for the rest of my life I mean it's, he's been amazing you know strong strong support but also I wanted to not make it so personal on, on the majority of these songs that people couldn't relate to them you know I think everyone can relate to you know love to some degree and, and you know hopefully you know um, people that can have that special person they can kind of relate kind of how meaningful these lyrics are to me and whatnot but um they all have a different twist to them though you know they all don't all talk about straight cut and dry love quote unquote from up above sent from you know all these corny right. things because you think a oh, love song uh, you know whatever i do anyway i always you know didn't want to get caught up in the fluff of writing love songs but and um and i think we we twisted them in ways where they're not just that cut and dry but it's it's definitely a good time, you know, it's, and it's a good time to just feel good. I wanted a lot of the music just to have a feel-good element to them. There were a few singles released on the album, five to be exact, three that were worldwide, five in total if you include the two that were just released in specific territories. So you had Ain't No Other Man, Hurt, Candyman, Slow Down Baby, and Oh Mother. Now, Ain't No Other Man was obviously the lead single off the album, and it was probably the most successful single off the album. It is a Christina Aguilera classic, you know, that first, you know, hey, <laughs> hey, that she does. You know, I can't sing like Christina, so I'm not about to <laughs> pretend to do that ad lib over there, but it's iconic, you know, and everybody knows that it. it's so recognizable. You hear those first seconds, and you're like, oh, that's Christina, her classic belt. And it's from that Ain't No Other Man track. Well, she's wearing the white suit, and she's standing in the stage with the microphone, and she's, you know, belting away, and... <laughs> It's just classic Christina. And while she was writing the song, she drew inspiration from her husband, Jordan Bratman. You know, she wedded the year prior, in the fall of 2005. DJ Premier, who was the producer on the song, described the track as sassy and old Aretha Franklin respect-era recording. And the thing is that with this album, Christina wrote a lot about her new husband because she was a newlywed and she was she was in love. But, you know, she wanted to... to it still be relatable to people. She wanted for her personal feelings not to alienate her fans. So she really put in a mix of both. You know, she, everybody, or most people at least, can relate to being in love at some point in their life. And the song is just such a feel-good love song that people can still relate to it while it's still being personal to Christina. 
The song was extremely successful. It won her a Grammy Award for Best Female Pop Vocal Performance in 2007. That was Christina's fifth Grammy Award. She's now since won another one, bringing her total to six, which is so incredible. Christina performed at the Grammys, but more on that performance later because it is legendary. But yeah, Ain't No Other Man was a really, really big hit. It was played on the radio all the time. It hit number six on the Billboard Hot 100, and it also was the number one song on the dance chart in the U.S. as well, and it was a top ten hit worldwide. So it was a really big hit for Christina, and it goes down as one of her classics. Another great song off this record was Hurt. During the recording session for the song, Christina wanted, you know, she was thinking about what she wanted to write about and she wanted to record a song about the pain of losing a loved one. And at the time, she was working with Linda Perry. And Linda Perry, if you guys don't know who Linda Perry is, you guys need to take a second and you need to go on Wikipedia or Google or whatever and look her up because she is legendary. You know, she was the lead singer of the Four Non Blondes who had a really big hit in the 90s. She ended up a couple of years later working with Pink on her Misunderstood album, which is another album I can't wait to speak about, which then therefore led to her working with Christina on Stripped. And she wrote Beautiful for Christina. You know, they were going to see if they can create that magic again because Beautiful is Christina's biggest hit. It's her signature song. She ended up working with Perry again for this record. Linda developed the idea that thinking about her dad because she had um, her father had died about a year before and um, actually uh, Linda and I quote said this about writing and with Christina about the song she says and Christina came to me and had these two chords that her and this guy wrote and she was like I really like these chords can you turn it into a song I want the song to be about losing somebody and inside of me I'm going you little fucking bitch you totally know I lost my dad and now you're gonna milk my emotions and she wrote the song with Christina and it's a heart-wrenching song and one of Christina's most beautiful Christina actually doesn't like to perform it live she said because it's just so vocally demanding and understood. Like, if you listen to her, it is hardcore. But she did perform it live at the 2006 MTV Video Music Awards, and she did an amazing performance, so you guys can totally check that out. If anything, pause this podcast. Again, I'm telling everybody to pause, but there's just so much great material that, you know, I can't put songs in here, so, you know, you guys have to see that performance, Christina, at the 2006 MTV Awards. It's quite amazing. We'll be right back after this quick word from our sponsors. Blast off with Space Vacation the Musical as the Bloom family from the bright yellow planet takes a wild, weird, and wonderful intergalactic summer vacation. With original songs and stellar comedy, their trip goes delightfully haywire. Fun and adventure for all ages. Space Vacation the Musical on all podcast platforms now. Subscribe today. I'm accompanied by a huge, you know, brass band and, and whatnot behind me, big band feel, and it's and it's really really cool. And then we've got some um, some uh, circus elements in there that will lend themselves really amazing whenever I, I get to incorporate some of those visual aspects on on tour of a 1920s circus feel, where Linda Perry is actually acting as the Barker, um, getting ladies and gentlemen to step right up, step right up into this world and that's kind of the introduction for this second CD that really is all live music, you know, Candyman being another one that's all live horns and, and really kind of a fun swing vibe of uh, kind of the Andrews Sisters, Boogie Woogie Bugle Boy, but modern day version kind of that's what it's influenced by. So Yeah, and Candyman is a really great song. And it was actually originally intended to be the second single, but it was switched for Hurt. And obviously, you know, we just spoke about Hurt, and it's a beautiful song. But those three singles were the big hits off the record. And then we had Slow Down Baby, which was released as a single in Australia, while Oh Mother was released in Europe. 
or I think it may be the other way around, actually. But the point is, it was released in North America, so anyone who lived in America, like USA or Canada, if you didn't know the album, you don't know the song. But the song Oh Mother is a very important song to Christina. She has been through a lot of personal issues growing up. You know, her father was abusive towards her mother and sometimes towards her when she was a young child. And seeing that violence against someone in your family, I couldn't even imagine what that's like, you know. And Christina's written about it before. She wrote about it on her last record, Stripped, previous to Back to Basics, in a song called I'm Okay. She continues um, the story with the song Oh Mother. Now happy and confident, it is easy to forget that she had a tough childhood living with an abusive father and watching her mother struggle to protect her children. But Christina hasn't forgotten. There's a song on the record, yeah, called Oh Mother. It's dedicated to my mother, basically thanking her for getting us out of the abusive situation that we went through together and for staying out because it's so hard, especially as a, as a single mom, as a single parent, period, to support your child on your own and raise that child. Has your mother heard the song? Have you? She has. She has. She Did cried, she? of course. Oh, yeah. um, but it's, you know, she, she knows. I think it's important for her, too. You know, it kind of gives us both uh, a strong purpose for why it happened, you know, and for surviving it, um, for getting through it together, you know. Another legendary song off this album, which... It's not technically even a song, it's an interlude, but I just had to take a second to talk about this because it's just so legendary. Scott Storch was a huge producer in the 2000s and he worked with Beyonce and, you know, for Naughty Girl and Christina on her album Stripped and he wrote Fighter with her and a lot of other great songs. Point is, is she wanted to work with him again for this record and she was very selective about who she worked with, only wanted a small team, a four to five artists um, or writers and she asked Scott Storch to come in and apparently he had all these ridiculous demands, you know, he was working with Paris Hilton at the time and she was offering a lot, money-wise and a Wise, and he was trying to get the same out of Christina to get to fly out him and his team and put them all up in the best hotels. And she refused. She was like, oh, I thought we were friends. Like, why would I need to do that? So she came up with the track F-U-S-S. <laughs> Fuck you, Scott Storch. <laughs> it is an interlude and it is so iconic. I'm just going to read you some of the lyrics here. We wrote Loving Me For Me, Don't Walk Away, Can't Hold Us Down, All Part Of Our History. Don't Forget Infatuation, I'm a Fighter, Feeling Underappreciated. Yeah, this song is for you to remind you that I moved on, sang my songs, I got no regrets. Looks like I didn't need you still got the album out because he said you could never put this album out without me and she put it all out on the song the only thing that scott said later on was that he was he thought it was pathetic he called it pathetic and frankly my opinion is that's pathetic <laughs> christina has never spoken about it publicly she really just put it all in the song and left it out there I just wanted to take a moment to let you guys know where you can find me on social media. I am on Instagram at Planet2000s, or you can hit me up on my personal page at Michael Kadosh, C-A-D-O-C-H. If you guys want to talk about some good old pop music or just reminisce about some good times, then make sure to hit me up there. I'm also on Twitter or Facebook at Michael Kadosh. Back to the pod. All right, so while we're on the subject of Christina and feuds, if you are a Christina Aguilera fan, you know that in the stripped era, which was the era right before this album, Christina liked, or uh, I don't know how to say this, she really enjoyed to diss other artists. <laughs> she loved to diss other artists and... She definitely got a lot better with this era, you know, she really was actually quite gracious and really did show the image of, you know, an old school lady from the 50s or 60s, you know, she was very polite. You know, there were a few moments, and um, as a Mariah Carey fanatic myself, I, you know, just, I have to mention this moment. The clause came out when asked about fellow diva Mariah Carey. Christina says, quote, she was never cool to me, to the point that one time we were at a party and I think she got really drunk and she had just really derogatory things to say to me. But it was at that time that she had that breakdown, so she might have been very medicated. 
did not take that sitting down, telling us today, quote, I had hoped that Christina was in a better place now than the last time I saw her when she showed up uninvited at one of my parties and displayed questionable behavior. It is sad yet predictable that she would use my name at this time to reinvent past incidents for her promotional gain. It is in my heart to forgive, and I will keep her in my prayers. Nothing like a good old celebrity feud. And we will give the final word today to Christina, who told us, and I quote, At this point in my life, I do not want any bad energy with anyone. My intentions were not to upset Mariah with any statements that were published or taken out of context. I have all the respect in the world for her. Yeah, so as we see, or as we see in this clip... <laughs> Christina wasn't done. But, you know, she did apologize, uh, you know, for what she said about Mariah. I don't know. I, it may have been just something she said knowing that it was going to get attention and it would have created some buzz or maybe, you know, it was a magazine and at the time magazines really loved to take things out of context. But the fact that Mariah responded, I'm just like, whoa. To this day, I have to tell you, as a Mariah fan, I watch a lot of Mariah interviews and to this day, Mariah does not acknowledge Christina Aguilera. In fact, recently, Mariah did an interview with uh, Tina Fey. It wasn't really an interview. It was kind of like a fun little game of, you know, uh, Mean Girls trivia. And there's the part in Mean Girls when Damien is singing Beautiful by Christina. And Mariah was just, um, because one of the questions was, what song is he singing? And she's just like, uh, I am beautiful. And then she's like, yeah, by Christina Aguilera. And she's just like, oh, ha, ha, ha. You know, she didn't even acknowledge it. It was hilarious. Pretending that she's like, do you know what it is? I, I, don't, I may not know. It's like, girl, you knew every answer to every question in that video but you didn't know this of course you knew this so i don't know if those wounds are mended but there were a lot of wounds that were mended christina in the era before back to basics so in the stripped era said a lot of things about her ex mouseketeer britney spears <laughs> that weren't the nicest and that weren't deserved you know britney has never said anything negative about anyone to be honest and if she ever did it was a rebuttal so this that's i'm not even trying to be biased it's just facts and christina said some things back then as we see in this interview they're not feuding anymore and uh christina actually had a lot of great things to say about britney you and britney married and we understand that you all exchanged wedding gifts Beautiful. Yeah, absolutely. We keep a relationship and, you know, just hearing each other. I mean, God, what an amazing thing. We've grown up together in this business, basically. So we're all doing amazing things, mm -hmm. and, you know, becoming mommies and, you know, husbands and wives. It's, yeah. you know, crazy. So it's a beautiful time in all of our lives. Now, what do you all get each other? I, I always have the toughest time um, with wedding gifts. I know. Uh, you know, I think... She got me a really beautiful crystal vase and oh. a little, I think, uh, crystal like bucket that you can mm -hmm. put, you know, drink and champagne mm -hmm. and whatnot. Ce celebratory time. <laughs> and, um, and then she had her baby. I sent over, you know, a huge baby basket full. I didn't know whether it was a boy or a girl yet, so I sent over, you know, just something. Um, really sweet something cute it just makes me happy to see my girls getting along you know as a little kid christina aguilera and britney spears were my idols like you have to understand i loved them so much like i remember like every day that i bought an album of theirs like what that day was like like for example the day i bought back to basics i'll never forget it was my uncle or cousin or may have been my great uncle from france came in and bought me two cds from the future shop and it was the day christina's album came out and i had to buy it ironically bought paris hilton's album as well which was you know with produced by scott storch which i just spoke about sorry christina but uh yeah i remember buying it that day and learning all the lyrics in the booklet and i would study it all the time i think i was 11 years old when it came out so just to say you know they're both very important 
to me and makes me happy to see them getting along. Like I mentioned earlier in this podcast, Christina Aguilera is an artist and she takes everything seriously when she's putting out a new album. Everything from the sound to the look, the aesthetic, all of it. Nothing goes unnoticed with Christina. So she loves to change up her look, very reminiscent of a Madonna in the sense where she reinvents herself with every album and every era. With this new album, you know, after having such a drastic image change with from transitioning from her first album, which was a teen pop album, to stripped which was a little bit harder and a little bit more edgy with all the piercings to now kind of going back a little bit you know getting rid of the piercings dyeing her hair platinum blonde you know very reminiscent of the old school actresses so she named this alter ego baby jane and it was named after a character in the 1962 betty davis psychological horror film whatever happened to baby jane so christina was very much emulating the old hollywood actresses of that time think marilyn monroe think marlene dietrich think carol lombard lombard sorry and think greta garbo um very big Hollywood actresses at that time. Greg Cott from the Baltimore Sun labeled the cover artwork of her album as a classy retro look, a sign that Christina is ready for her close-up and as a leading lady of the teen brat pack that emerged in the late 90s. She is here to stay. And that's quite a great compliment to say. Christina really, every single award show, every single interview, she really had that look with the red lipstick and she took it seriously and she executed it perfectly in my mind. I like uh, my look to definitely coincide with what I'm doing and reflect what I'm doing musically. Um, for this in particular, you know, I've referenced, you know, music from the 20s, 30s and 40s and basically uh, intertwined that with elements of, you know, uh, artists that I love from those eras, Marlena Dietrichs, Marilyn Monroe, Veronica Lake, Harlow, etc., etc. So um, it's an exciting time for music back then. It's an exciting time for you know your old Hollywood screen glam sirens and screen sirens. And so it's, it's a, something that I definitely am inspired by and wanted to incorporate. But for the next record, years down the line, it'll be something completely different, a whole new direction. That's what I'm about as an artist, completely challenging myself with each new album to think in a different direction, to think left field, to think out of my own box and my own safety zone. So it's very important for me to do that with each album. When it came to live performances for this era, she made appearances at the MTV Movie Awards, she was at the VMAs, like I said earlier, she did SNL, she did New Year's Eve, but she also went on tour, the Back to Basics tour. It was 81 shows all around the world, it got amazing reviews from critics, and they complimented it as the strongest of her career, and at that point, this was her third world tour, so she was only getting better. She grossed over $90 million worldwide from this tour, and it became the ninth highest grossing tour ever for a female artist at that time. And it was also the most profitable world tour by a female artist that year in 2007 and she also got a DVD release Back to Basics Live and Down Under which went platinum so she did quite amazing with this tour the opening acts were the Pussycat Dolls and Danity Kane and she traveled Asia North America Europe Australia and the show really was inspired by 1920s and 1940s jazz cabaret club lounge vibe you know really had that old school vibe to it and all the costumes were designed by Roberto Cavalli so it had that high-end old Hollywood glamour and almost every show was sold out and she brought her all to this tour. You guys, I remember when this tour was announced, I was 11 years old and it was coming to Montreal and I was dying to go. You guys have to understand, I was dying to go. You know, at the time, concerts were extremely expensive, so they weren't something that you could go to, like I do now, or did before this pandemic. I cannot wait to go to another concert. But that's for another day. Back to 2007, yeah, you couldn't go that often. So I was dying to go to Christina Aguilera. I remember, I remember making a whole PowerPoint presentation for my parents and presenting it at the 
dinner table and I was just like, this is why I need to go see Christina Aguilera. I knew everything about her. I knew all her music and how her music has helped me through all my hard times. Mind you, I'm 11 years old saying all this stuff, like what hard times, you know what I mean? It was quite funny. If you're asking and curious, no, I did not get to see Christina Aguilera in 2007 because I remember, and I quote my mother saying, Michael, she's a young artist. You will get a chance to see her later. She will go on tour again. Fun fact, she did not go on tour again for 11 years, but I definitely made up for lost time because I saw her twice and I was front row the second time and touched her hand but you know that's you know Morgan you know what I'm talking about best moments of our lives you know Christina was always an amazing live act and her back to basics tour was very very successful for her success was something that wasn't foreign to her during this era you know the album for back to basics debuted at number one in the United States and it was number one for in a record number of countries like 15 at that time she hadn't had a number one album in so many countries in any of her albums you know it was number one in Canada Australia UK all over Europe Asia it was a huge hit it sold 1.7 million copies in the US and 5 million copies worldwide. She won her Grammy Award for Best Pop Vocal Performance in 2007. She did an amazing performance of It's a Man's 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 World by James Brown because he had died earlier that year and the Grammys are doing a tribute to him. And she got a standing ovation for her performance and you guys, you know, she's gonna, I'm gonna play a clip of her talking about a performance and then you guys just have to watch it. It's, it, it blows you away for sure. Yes, it was. <laughs> um, I, I definitely got approached by them to do the song and I, and I jumped at the opportunity. Um, you know, I paid tribute to James Brown on my album for Back to Basics in a song called Back in the Day, which um, pays tribute to all those who ha have been an inspiration to me in, in the world of soul and jazz and blues music and Godfather of Soul, are you kidding? So to be able to step into those shoes or, and, and, and try my best at, you know, filling them, um, never going to even <laughs> attempt, but, you know, doing my own in, in interpretation or take on that was, was really special for me. And then, um, and my first ovation at the, at the awards, at the Grammys, I was so excited to see people standing at the end, you know, it's, it's such a... You know, because I, I was rehearsing, I was studying James. I had right. bought the DVDs, I was buying the CDs, I was, I was, I had six different versions that I was listening to and taking notes from, so I definitely did my homework. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. And Doing that, that scream, because that's not in my, you know, I don't really screech. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah so it's kind of crazy. Yeah. Definitely a moment in her career and one of the best Grammy performances in history, in my opinion, and I've seen a lot of them. Back to Basics was named the best pop album of 2006 by iTunes, and in 2008, Entertainment Weekly listed the album at number 80 of the 100 best albums of the last 25 years, and that's only with it being out within a year. So it definitely has its lasting legacy and it definitely impacted a lot of the artists at that time to you know, have a different sound to their music. And she's always been a trailblazer, Christina. It's been my honor to talk about her today. I cannot wait to have a, my stripped episode, you guys. It's going to be a very big one. It's going to be important. So we're saving it for a little later. It's going to be a little longer too. But Christina is one of my favorite artists and I just, I support everything she does. And you guys, you know, if you haven't listened to the entire Back to Basics album, you guys need to take a second and listen to it because Christina kills it. It's one of my favorite albums by her. You know, I hope you guys give it a chance if you haven't. Thank you guys so much for listening to me today. I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. If you guys did, you can leave me a thumbs up or, you know, give me a nice little review because that always helps me out. And I can't wait to talk to you guys next time about some more music. All right. Peace out.